Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the State of Dallas podcast. I am Billy Embody. Thanks for joining us. It is conference championship week around here for SMU, and that is why we are coming at you guys on the Republic of Football podcast network, a part of the Dave Campbell's family, previewing SMU versus Tulane. But before we do that, we've got a lot to get to. Um, SMU closed out the regular season with a 59-14 win over Navy on Saturday inside Ford Stadium. Uh, It was a big win for the Mustangs, one that was out of reach early, but kind of a heartbreaker for SMU's football team as Preston Stone, their quarterback, was lost to injury midway through the second quarter when they were driving to make it 59-7. He kind of scrambled around and was uh, running around, extending a play, and ended up getting kind of crunched in the backfield. And he did break his leg, a fibula, and he is out for the rest of the season. A heartbreaking moment. And um, uh, after throwing for 322 yards on 14 of 19 passes uh, with three touchdown passes, that is uh, just not what you want to see because obviously – he was playing well and has been playing well down the stretch for this program, but he also had made so many strides lately in his game. And Oh, by the way, was punching their ticket to the AAC championship game on Saturday against Tulane at three o'clock central on ABC. And so now SMU has to turn to Kevin Jennings, the former Dallas South Oak cliff state champion and quarterback who's played a lot for the Mustangs over the year, including, uh, you know, basically preparing to play against North Texas as Preston Stone was coming out of concussion protocol. Last year, he also stepped in multiple times when Preston Stone was injured at Tulsa, when Tanner Mordecai was injured against Memphis. Against that Memphis team, he led a 92-yard touchdown drive right before the half in a really clutch moment in that game. SMU doesn't win that game without that drive. And when you go look look back and assess the Navy game, the biggest thing that stands out, without a doubt, is Preston Stone's injury. Um, he is going to be out eight to ten weeks. His his season is over, regardless of what happens on Saturday in New Orleans. Um, and now you, uh, you 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 hope that Kevin Jennings can get it done. But there are other big moments in that game. Tyler Levine's three touchdowns on senior day as he got the start. Um, You had the defense play a really dominant brand of football, shutting down the midshipmen, basically holding them to, you know, especially in the first half when when the starting defense was actually in there, very minimal yardage um, for, for the game. I mean, their, their performance was, I mean, as well as you can ask for in terms of play against an option attack, SMU gave up a uh, 69-yard touchdown run. Um, the muff punt by SMU gave Navy a one-yard touchdown run. Um, and that that was about it. I mean, they, they gave up one yard long uh, touchdown run, 69 yards. Uh, to Braxton Woodson in the second quarter uh, that made it uh, 42, uh, 49-14. 
at that point. But in the first half, SMU's defense was uh, incredibly dominant, uh, able to really slow them down to basically that run. And that was about it. Um, Navy had Navy went <clears throat> three and out, four and out, three and out, three and out, the one yard touchdown run, three and out, three and out, the two play 75 yard drive. So they had a quick little six yard run and then the 69 yard touchdown. They were establishing, establishing something at the end of the first half, um, but six plays, 46 yards, nothing doing. Uh, they, Go into the third quarter, and on their first drive of the second half, uh, they're going 14 plays, 55 yards. Again, this was the last drive that the starters, or any starters, uh, I should say, were in the game for SMU's defense, I believe. And the interception by Isaiah Wachobia was re returned 74 yards to make it 59-14 uh, SMU. Um, and they were able to you know, basically shut them out from there, uh, win another three and out. Uh, got a couple first down, seven and out, three and out, three and out, four and out, eight plays, 23 yards to end the game. That's as good as you could ask for. I mean, take out the 69-yard touchdown run and Navy finishes with um, under 200 total yards, 120 on the ground. They had some passing plays come together, uh, I think, in the second half it was, that really stood out. Um, they, they, you know, were basically playing all against all backups. Uh, the defense still shut them out in the second half. Scott Simon's defense is obviously not going to face anything like Navy against Tulane, but one thing he talked about this week as we spoke with him previewing the AAC championship is it's always nice when your guys respond and play good – sound fundamental defense uh they they didn't give up much against navy you know they hit one big play and that was about it and you know you've got to give the defense a lot of credit they came out and wanted to play a dominating performance and so did smu's offense i mean 28 to 7 at the end of the first quarter if it wasn't for a uh muff punt by smu it would have been 28 nothing um, and and even then it could have been 35 to nothing as Navy got the ball at the one and scored. Maybe SMU goes down and scores and makes it 35 nothing at the end of the first quarter. Um, but this offense, Preston Stone, did an unbelievable job um, navigating the entire offense uh, up and down the field against Navy. 487 total yards. Uh, Navy still uh, even, you know, managing just 253 total yards under 200 on the ground. Still managed to control the clock 32 minutes or so uh, in their favor, but uh, SMU was just on fire. I mean, everything Preston, Preston Stone threw pretty much went for a big play. You look at the longs uh, when it comes to the receiving guys. You had a long of 47, 35, 35, 27, 28, 20. Those are all the 20-plus yard receptions, including Jackson Lavender, his first career reception, the former Lovejoy standout. Uh, hauled that one in uh, in the second half when he got in there. You had Kilvante, Mucci, Dixon uh, blow up for four receptions on six targets for 125 yards and two touchdowns. He had a great one-handed catch uh, on one of them. R.J. Maryland, three catches, 64 yards. He kind of jump-started everything in the first uh, drive of the game for SMU with two long receptions. And then Tyler Levine scored his first touchdown on that drive. Tishon Smith, 
uh, caught three of four passes for 58 yards, including one long of 47. Jordan Hudson, two catches, 42 yards, including a touchdown. Uh, and and that touchdown, he uh, kind of mossed him, made a competitive play on the ball. He continues to make those really hard catches look relatively easy. Romello Brinson, two catches for five yards, or two catches on five targets for 41 yards. And, um, you know, it, it was Preston Stone's world, um, that 275 yards passing in the first quarter, I believe, is the most by anyone, any quarterback uh, in a single quarter of play uh, over this season of F- FBS football, which is, I mean, beyond impressive overall uh, for what he's able to do, uh, what he was able to do in that first quarter. Um, you have just an outstanding quarterback in, in, in Preston Stone, and it's really unfortunate to see what happened to him happen. Um, Tyler Levine was a great story. Rhett Lashley <laughs> cried again after the game, uh, talking about him, uh, teared up a good bit. Seven carries, 49 yards, and his three touchdowns. Kamar Wheaton, 11 carries, 48 yards. The good thing about Saturday for SMU as well, in terms of kind of resting up, guys, and and getting healthy um, versus the tough news about Preston Stone was uh, LJ Johnson, Jalen Knighton, both did not play a snap as SMU was trying to hold them out and keep them on the path to recovery and getting healthier and all of those things. And they sure did that uh, as they were able to, uh, you know, get up big. And then they kind of said, well, we're going to keep guys out of it. And uh, that was their goal going into it. So um, kudos to SMU for obviously starting out so strong and being able to make that happen because it's not easy to do by any means. You know, you have a plan going into a game, trying to rest guys and keep them healthy. And, um, you know, sometimes you need players. You know, Brandon Crosley is a guy that, on Saturday against Tulane is going to play his first game since uh, I want to say the North Texas game because he was aiming to redshirt and SMU was going to try to get through the regular season, uh, keeping him at under four games so he can come back for another season. Well, they ended up using him against North Texas and it kind of helped. Uh, they they kind of got jump started a little bit when he came in and then they couldn't play him at Memphis. Otherwise, they would burn that red shirt, and then they didn't need him by any means against Navy. But now SMU is able to get him back for the conference championship game on the back end of the secondary at that nickel position with C.J. Uh, Sanders, which is a really, really nice deal for SMU there. They're completely healthy on defense outside of nicks and bruises. Braden Flowers, the, the freshman, was in there playing, um, I want to say, late second quarter, maybe third quarter, and he was um, – uh, hurt. He was on crutches at practice on Tuesday, so he will be out. He's he wasn't a re- rotational guy right now, but he, he probably has a, reco- a bit of a recovery ahead of him. If, if I'm I'm guessing, we'll hear from Rhett Lashley about him uh, soon. But overall, Saturday and Senior Day went about as well as you could have asked for if you're SMU, and that was a Navy team that you know had been playing some really good defense. Uh, even against some very average offenses. But for SMU to go in and dominate the way they did, that was really important just to get in and get out. And granted, you know, 
kind of heartbreak still hit with Preston Stone's injury. I mean, the air was kind of sucked out of the stadium as he was carted off. But that was still a a show of force is what I wanted to call it by SMU. I mean, to just completely out-athlete, beat up, you know, the midshipman, that, that's, that's hard to do. And it's not something that many teams find themselves doing often. And even though this is a Navy team that now won't be going to a bowl because SMU beat them, uh, they had a lot to play for. Um, Navy was trying to ruin SMU's, you, you know, kind of season in a way they would have, SMU would have been hard pressed to miss the AAC, but uh, if they would have beat them, that would have taken uh, any sort of um, uh, near six bowl chances off, off the table for SMU. But instead SMU uh, just took it to them. And, and that was, that was as dominant of a performance as I've seen. And um, we'll talk about Rhett Lashley's contract extension in a second, but I, I don't think he told the team before that game that he was extended. I think he told them after and they found out when everybody else did, but SMU did sign Rhett Lashley to extension. And it's when one thing I'll say about this team is they generally take care of business against teams that they can overmatch. And look, Rice, bowl eligible, tough game for SMU. Memphis, tough game for SMU. But even both of those games, there are moments you kind of look at and you're like, well, if SMU doesn't play awful on special teams against Rice and spot them X field position, Y field position, this and that, that's a game that's probably out of hand. If there's not a phantom holding call against against SMU on their opening touchdown, that's a game that's out of hand. Memphis, SMU had opportunities to really blow that game open at, at certain moments. But what they did do is battle back and they were able to beat a good Memphis team and be pretty much in control for the most part um, of that one. There wasn't a moment, I would say, beyond the first quarter when Memphis had a lead that I was sitting there saying, "Mm, SMU's playing awful. This isn't going to go their way. It didn't necessarily mean that Memphis wouldn't be able to find a way to win, but they just had such good control over opponents in AAC play. That exclamation point on the win over Navy put them into the top 25, which is always a nice feather in the cap. It doesn't mean anything if SMU goes out there on Saturday and loses, but it is a battle of top 25 teams as Tulane hosts SMU on Saturday, 3 p.m. Central on ABC. This SMU team is going to go down to New Orleans now and face a Tulane team that beat them up pretty good last year on national television, Thursday night game at, you know, at home in in New Orleans. And SMU went out after that game, finished up their season, lost in a bowl game, you know, didn't have Rasheed Rice, didn't have Jalen Thomas, things like that. Uh, We're done out of running backs at the end of the game. But they went out and they aggressively recruited the portal and completely revamped their entire defense, brought in more depth on the offense, and now are sitting here at 10-2 and two overall with a chance to punch their ticket to a New Year's Six Bowl. If SMU wins on Saturday, I'm pretty confident they're going to go to a New Year's Six Bowl. Pretty confident. It's not a for sure thing. If you're a college football playoff committee member, I would hope that you look very closely at what SMU 
will have been able to do on Saturday without Preston Stone if they can get a win. It doesn't matter, of course, until they are able to get over that hump and beat Tulane and, and win that conference championship. But if they did with a backup quarterback, I would hope that that shows the committee what needs to be shown for SMU to get that final piece of respect and playing a New Year's Six. Now, there's going to be a lot that goes into SMU playing for a New Year's Six Bowl. They've got to go down and beat Tulane, the class of the AAC right now. They won it last year. They beat USC in the Cotton Bowl and now still undefeated in AAC play. They took care of business against UTSA, albeit five UTSA turnovers. Maybe that's a different game if they're able to clean it up just, just a little bit. But again, it wasn't one that was generally in doubt because of that, because of those forced turn, turnovers. And you can't necessarily take that away from a team if you're if they're if they're forcing them. But SMU has not been, uh, I guess, close to being a turnover-prone team at the wrong time this year, especially in AAC play. And with Kevin Jennings going in there, that's going to be the biggest question that I have, is can he play a clean enough game? He's got the arm talent. He's got the ability to run around. He has the arm that I think, even in the rain, will be able to make the throws that he needs to. And if that's the case, if he could play a clean football game, I am I have a lot of trust in SMU's defense to make the plays that they need to make, whether it's the routine ones or maybe force a turnover to get SMU past Tulane with an AAC championship. Now, Tulane does have Michael Pratt, one of the best quarterbacks you will find around at just finding ways to win. Probably the top G5 quarterback just because of how much he's accomplished. He is not a guy that is sitting in an offense that he's not Seth Hennigan. He is not tossing it around the yard. Um, but last year he had moments, uh, especially against SMU, where he put that team on his back. And that's what good quarterbacks do. And that's the big question that, you know, Kevin Jennings will have to show going into this game against Tulane is can he do that at that level? And if he does... Um, just making the key, just making the key throws. If he does do that, then SMU will have a real good chance of winning this football game. Just make the routine plays. You're going to have uh, two running backs back. You're going to have Kamar Wheaton and Tyler Vean ready to go. But last year, Michael Pratt, he went out and won that game against UCF for them. 394 yards, four touchdowns, and interception against SMU. He didn't have to be great last year. Tajay Spears did plenty of that. Uh, they won 59-24, 9-14, 141 yards, three touchdowns. He didn't turn it over. SMU did. Um, he did have 10 carries for 70 yards and three touchdowns. He's going to be able to extend plays and make things happen. And, oh, by the way, I mentioned Ty J. Spears. He's no longer with the team. He graduated. He's off in the NFL. I believe he's with Tennessee. I thought, oh, man, this is, Michael Pratt's going to have to do this all by himself. There's no way they find somebody who is as good as him to come in. Well, Makai Hughes, the freshman, has really been terrific for Tulane. He's got, uh, I believe, a 1,000-yard season. I'll double-check that right now. But believe he's got a 1,000-yard season rolling right now. Um, but the big thing, too, is they do have depth at running back. Um, they've got Shoddy Clayton, uh, who's, a, who's a guy who came back from Colorado and, and transferred into the program. He's from New Orleans. Um, they have uh, Iverson Celestine, uh, another guy who – 
uh, is a New Orleans native. Yeah, uh, Makai Hughes, 232 carries, 1,264 yards, seven touchdowns on the year, um, averaging over 100 yards a game. Michael Pratt is their next leading uh, rusher with 88 carries, 376 yards, four scores. Um, and then Shadi Clayton and, and Arnold Barnes um, and Iverson Celestine are, are all guys in there that they'll rotate in. Uh, they do a good job doing a lot of those like jet sweeps and different trickerations and things like that. One time SMU commit Jaquan Jackson is playing for uh, Tulane. He'll be in the game, as will be Chris Brazell, uh, who had a big game in place of Jaquan Jackson being out and Lawrence Keyes being out. Keyes, at least according to Will Willie Fritz, is expected to be out at this point. He wasn't really sure if he could play. Didn't sound good, but Jaquan Jackson is expected to play, which is big news for the Green Wave. And oh, by the way, this defense is allowing less than 20 points a game. They take advantage of turnovers. They are somebody that uh, is well-coached, a group that's well-coached um, by Willie Fritz and his staff. The thing that I'm interested to see is, can SMU run the football on this really good rush defense of Tulane? They've been able to control the line of scrimmage. But I'll say this. You look back at Tulane's schedule. You look back at a win over Memphis 31-21. And can SMU do what Memphis could not? And that is run the football. What SMU did to Memphis, hold them to 62 total yards on the ground. What Tulane did to Memphis hold them to 69 yards on the ground. Um, that is going to probably be a point where SMU has to be able to find a way to run the football just because one, it's going to be raining in all likelihood. It, 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 that's the weather this weekend in New Orleans. It's kind of rough. If that's the case, both teams are going to have to run the football. Who stops the run the best and whose quarterback takes care of the football the best? I have full trust in Kevin Jennings to take care of the football. It's just a matter of like, will he like that? I, I just think Kevin has played in so many big moments at sock playing in for, front of 45,000 uh, at AT&T stadium. He's stepped in and led a 92 yard drive against Memphis. He's stepped in and managed the game against Tulsa. When Preston Stone went down to a win, he's looked calm, cool, collected, for the most part, against teams he's faced this year. Will that continue over the course of entire start, his first career start? I know Michael Pratt can do it. He's got experience. He's got that moxie. He's got that ability to pick up yards. And if SMU can find a way to limit his yardage on the ground and find a way to slow down Makai Hughes, which SMU did a nice job of against Memphis, and, and for the most part this year, they've, they've stopped the run pretty well. If SMU can do those things against Tulane and force Michael Pratt to beat you in the rain, that is something that is a, a very key point here for the Mustangs in terms of their overall game plan of trying to beat the Green Wave. And when you look on that defensive uh, group for the Green Wave, I think they are right up there in terms of groups that SMU will face this season. Uh, they have some big big guys in the middle there. Patrick Jenkins uh, is their nose tackle on the defensive side of things. Uh, he controls the line of scrimmage well. Uh, they have a lot of athletes that are able to make plays. Jarius Monroe is a big safety back there. Um, Lance Robinson is another good one. 
Uh, Jesus Machado is, a, is another really good player. They've got guys that have been around and been around a long time um, playing defense on Willie Fritz's team. And I think Tulane is one of the best examples of a team taking on your head coach's mentality. Willie Fritz has done more with less at plenty of places. He's been at Juco. He's been at Sam Houston. He's now at Tulane. And he's a guy that even last year has dealt with the head coaching buzz around him and other jobs. And what they do last year, they went out and beat UCF. And then they went on to beat USC. Now, granted, by the time they faced USC, the Georgia Tech buzz was gone. But they know that Willie Fritz is getting mentioned with a job like Houston and the money that the, the Cougars can throw at him. There's, he addressed it on Monday when we met with him via Zoom. And he said all that, basically he was asked, is any team courting you going to have to wait until this weekend after, after this game? And he said, yes. And the thing about it is when you look at coaches and how they handle things and all of that, I I don't think it's going to be a big distraction. It's interesting. Houston, uh, one of their one of the reporters out of Houston, came out with a tweet on uh, Tuesday saying that the search is gathering internal momentum towards Willie Fritz. Well, I I could see it. If I'm Houston, that's the guy that I hire. He's got experience in the area from his time at Blinn. He's got a general idea of how to do a blueprint of bringing guys back in a big area like New Orleans and a talent producing one at that. He can do that at Houston. He's done it without resources. He goes to Houston. He could have some better resources. Say what you want about Houston and kind of the Big 12 in that direction. They would give him what he needed. All that to say, I really think it has a minimal impact on this game. I think Willie Fritz and how he and his staff approach things, they do such a good job. This is a game where you're just going to have to roll the ball out and see who comes away as the best team. And for SMU, they're hoping that it's them. They've fought all year long to take it one game at a time, one week at a time. Even this week, as the potential that, you know, Rhett Lashley's name popping up in a job or two could have, you know, taken on some distractions. They got an extension done. You know, are there any other coaching buzz around the program? Not much. Any guys transferring? Not much. You know, it's really quiet. They're ready for this moment to go out and try to seize what they've been working towards all year. The toughest part is overcoming the loss of Preston Stone. But when Rhett Lashley, who shoots it pretty straight, tells you that they've felt like they've had two starting quarterbacks all year, he's not kidding. And if you go out to practice, whether it was spring, fall camp this year, you'd see that arm strength that Kevin has. You see the calm, cool, collected demeanor that he has. And he's going to bring you that presence in, in the huddle. He's going to do things differently than Preston Stone. And Preston Stone has been playing at a terrific level the last few weeks in particular, when this team has needed him to the most, when the defense struggled a bit, giving up 400-plus yards through the air against Memphis, when they struggled in the early going against North Texas at, at times. He stepped up and he led you to victories. Now, you're without him. It's time for the defense to flip the script back 
like it had been early in conference play and step up and earn a win for this team. If it's rainy, if it's ugly, if the elements aren't in your favor, what plays well when a, when there's a game like that? Defense. I think SMU's got one that they can rely on. It hasn't been perfect at times this year. But there are very few quarterbacks as good as Seth Hennigan in terms of ripping apart defenses. They stopped a really good rushing attack in terms of uh, Memphis's Blake Watson, who had who was well on his way to 1,000 yards. Chandler Rogers, the UNT quarterback, who's one of the best passers in the league, they shut him down. They have to finish off this kind of final redemption tour in the AAC by going somewhere that they got absolutely embarrassed on national TV a year ago, right around this time, you know, a couple weeks earlier. And they're a very, very different team. Like Rhett Lashley said after the win over Memphis is not the old SMU. And that's why I, I, I pick SMU to win this one like 24-16. I think it's just going to be one of those maybe weird games, maybe 24-17, something like that. But I like what this program has put together throughout this season. I think they have flexed their muscles enough that you can look at what they have and say they have the ability when they're on their game top to bottom to truly be a dominant team. It is such a fine line when you face good competition. We saw that against Memphis in, at spot, in spots in particular. And we obviously saw that against Oklahoma and TCU. But SMU has a chance here to play a team that this year's SMU team might, and we won't know until they roll the ball out, but might just match up a little better than last year's version of this. Last year's version of this was, how do you get the ball to Rasheed Rice? Run game's inconsistent, this and that. Uh, I mean, shoot, that two-lane game last year, they didn't get Tyler Levine involved until it was too late. It, it was just a complete and total mess. Now you have a team that plays defense. And even when their defense is off their game, whether it was the, the whole game against Memphis, facing the pass, whether it was the spurts against North Texas, bad tackling against Rice, which, by the way, they were still dealt with some short fields. They overcame them and settled in enough for SMU to win the football game. This week against Tulane, they've got to settle in the entire time and and step up for a teammate, a fallen teammate, if you will, and grab a win, the potentially the most important win of SMU's Last 40 years. Because if you win this game, punch your ticket to New Year's Six and go to the ACC with a championship under your belt, that's the way you finish things off the right way. Tulane beat UCF on their way out last year. Don't think they won't be gunning for the Mustangs. And they'll like to get the job done that Memphis couldn't as SMU heads to the ACC. SMU is going to get Tulane's best shot. It's a championship game. It's SMU's last game really, in the AAC, playing AAC competition, on the road, all those things. Tulane's going to bring it. SMU, I like their defense to step up enough where SMU 
gets the win. Think about all the extra possessions Tulane had against UTSA. I think SMU's defense is going to find ways to force a couple of key turnovers that allows SMU to take advantage of them. I'm throwing special teams out the window when making these predictions because, quite frankly, guys, we've seen SMU special teams be anywhere from good, Temple, bad Temple team, for example. Um, I'd have to really go back and look to see other moments when they were good or at least not a liability. But then there were games like last week, they're figuring out how to catch the ball in terms of the punt return game. That's been a big issue. Um, I think SMU, though, they can get decent special teams play. They'll be fine. And then it's all about can you pick up an extra couple possessions against this two-lane team and grab the win? I think they can do it 24-17. That would be a massive win for SMU. Um, let's jump over to off the field. We're going to talk a little recruiting in a second, but first, Rhett Lashley gets his extension from SMU, keeping him around until the 2029 season at least. Uh, the deal puts him on par with ACC head coaches. It expands the assistant coaching salary pool, and uh, it also just comes with a bunch of incentives, opportunities to make a ton of money based on rankings, based on championships, both division and conference and national championships, college football playoff, all of those things. SMU, and as we saw when Texas A&M hired Mike Elko, put a lot of those incentives in Rhett Lashley's contract, which he agreed to and wanted. Hey, that's a great deal for both sides. He's going to get a nice raise. He's going to be in a great situation. He's, his contract is extended. But oh, by the way, if you can lead SMU to prominence in the ACC, we're going to pay you a ton of money. And that's, I think, where contracts should head. We'll see. Obviously, there's still going to be bonehead contracts here and there dished out. But I think SMU did a good thing jumping on this early, getting it done so that when the game ends on Saturday, win or lose, Rhett Lashley doesn't have to go to the table and sit down with SMU and say, all right, you know, we just won a championship or, hey, we just came up short or whatever. Let's assess where this is. Where's my contract at? No. Want to know what he can do? He can fly back, enjoy this win or loss, you know, and kind of reset after the game. And then Sunday, they're going to have to get after it and get ready to go for the transfer portal, lock things up with the team, get on the road recruiting, both transfer high school, all those things. That is where SMU knocked it out of the park doing this. And, you know, some people would say, oh, I want to see him win a championship before. Look, Rhett Lashley, 7-1 and one in November over his two seasons at SMU. If you want to count the championship game as a November game, go for it. We'll see where it ends. Up the one loss to the green wave. We'll see uh, if SMU can avenge that one on Saturday, 3 p.m. Central on ABC. I mentioned the deal, including more incentives for uh, SMU's assistant coaches, uh, or not incentives, a bigger salary pool for SMU assistant coaches. That'll be something, obviously, they'll sit down and work on as well when it comes to assistant coaching contracts. Who who do they want to bring with them? Who maybe is going to be on the move? Uh, who maybe a, need, a change needs to be made? All those things, I'm sure, are going to be reviewed and on the table as SMU gets going into planning for transfer portal, signing players, um, both at high school and transfer level, and then assessing the direction of the program as uh, they head to the ACC. So they'll do it with more money in their pockets to work with, which is always a good thing. So um, Rhett Lashley, <clears throat> his family, they love it at SMU. 
And I, I think there are some major jobs that if he kept winning, he would obviously have to really, really consider. But at the end of the day, he's been around the block at a lot of different places in a lot of different situations and the facilities and NIL and all those things that SMU has going for itself right now. Those are all things that Rhett Lashley recognizes are very important to his success. And they're only trending in the right direction going forward as the move to the ACC approaches and more people support the program and all of those things. So good news for SMU there. They also got good news on the recruiting trail as four-star athlete Derek McFall out of Tyler, Texas, committed to the Mustangs on Monday, shortly after his contract extension was announced. He's a four-star prospect, ranked as a wide receiver, top 60 wide receiver nationally, top 60 prospect. In the state of Texas, he was uh, committed to UCLA, uh, but decommitted uh, about a week ago, um, and SMU was able to reel him in. He'll be a gadget type, start out at the running back position, um, but they beat out UCLA, they beat out um, Missouri, um, and plenty of other uh, opportunities that he had, Kansas State, uh, UTSA, all those things um, that he had lined up. SMU was able to beat them out and reel them in. So huge move. Uh, he becomes the highest ranked commitment in the class of 2024 for the Mustangs. And uh, now they're on their way to just figuring out if they take any more in 2024, if they just go all in on the transfers uh, for the ACC. So SMU can now assess and see what they need to go out, go out and get, um, see if there are any guys that are going to be looking around as the coaching carousel heats up, both from high school and transfers. The transfer portal window does open December 4th. Um, and that night, my website on theponyexpress.com is going to partner with Pony Sports DTX and NIL arm of SMU to introduce the transfer portal and the NIL world to SMU fans from 6 to 8 p.m. at Ozona Bar and Grill on Greenville Avenue in Dallas. If you're in town, come join us for some free drinks and apps. Uh, we'll have some special guests on hand as well to talk about the transfer portal, share what it means for the future of SMU, and it should be a fun event, so check that out. Also, check out on theponyexpress.com if you like my podcast. I've got more podcasts for you guys over there with my full-time job at On3Sports. Appreciate the Republic of Football Podcast Network for putting this together all season long. A big one on Saturday for SMU as they take on Tulane for the AAC Championship. It's going to be a fun month of December no matter what happens on Saturday, but the Mustangs are hoping to go out of the AAC as champions before heading off to the ACC. So with that, guys, hope you guys enjoyed this edition of the State of Dallas podcast. Check us out at ontheponyexpress.com. I'm Billy Embody. Thanks for listening.